You're listening to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast, Episode 7. This week's episode is a special one as I was interviewed by my good friend, the one and only Sam Lytle from Civil FX, and the host of two popular podcasts, We Make Civil Engineering Look Good and Beyond CAD. Sam's company, Civil FX, has taken the civil engineering field and the AC market by storm in providing first class and cutting edge 3D visualization services. If you don't know about Civil FX and Sam's work, check out civilfx.com for more and let him know that Eric DeLeon sent you over there. In this special episode, we talked about my CAD origin story, the battle between AutoCAD versus MicroStation, what the future of civil design could and should be, and more. Thanks, Sam, for giving me the opportunity to be on your podcast. And now, play the intro. Welcome. I'm your host, Eric DeLeon, and this podcast is for CAD managers and their pursuit for the perfect set of plans. Each week, we'll be doing deep dives into what CAD managers deal with daily as they manage and mentor their CAD teams, build and enforce standards, develop best practices, and provide leadership and vision to the firm in the implementation of new technologies. With an extensive career as a CAD manager, I'm here to confess all my lessons learned, strategies, and all my project delivery secrets. If this sounds like the right place for you, then let's get started. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe and or leave a review. Until next time, good luck and stay true in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans. All right, I'm excited to have on the podcast with me today, Eric DeLeon. It's good to have you with me, Eric. Sam, great to be here. So you're in Oregon and uh, I can see your Oregon Ducks shirt. So, Ducks, yeah. And you are the host of a podcast called the uh, CAD Managers Confessions. So we'll get to that in a second. But if you could just introduce yourself and kind of tell us how you got into the world of CAD and engineering. Yeah. So um, yeah, I've been a CAD manager. Been I guess in CAD technologies for um, about 22 years, um, and so. It's kind of funny because when I was preparing for this, um, I was thinking uh, my journey, what's my origin story? And so I, do, I think I have a pretty good one. Um, I was it? 10 years old and my, I lived, I was raised with my grandparents. And so my younger um, aunts and uncles were kind of like my brothers and sisters, even though they're my uncles and aunts. But my, the youngest, which was in the house when I was there, my uncle Martin, and him and I have a, you know, we're, we're like brothers and we have a really close relationship to this day. And I remember being 10 years old, I was fifth grade. He had a, he was doing high school drafting. So back then was like 85. And so he was um, doing his capstone project, I guess, or whatever you want to call it was um, a, a full set of house plans. And so, and I just remember him coming home and drawing on the, you know, bringing the plans home and, you know, having his pencils out, stencils, rulers. And I just, it just really just got to me like, we could be, you know, we can use this art to create. 
and you know people can use these documents to build stuff. You know, I didn't quite understand all of it, but I kind of got that gist of it. Um, and so, you know, that kind of got me in this drafting kind of just, you know, 10 years old. And of course, you know, we all have, you know, other aspirations. I wanted to be a lawyer at one time, but, you know, uh, it was just kind of funny how that kind of just sparked that idea and, you know, went to school for, you know, drafting CAD technology. Um, and, you know, through my career, you know, I've been fortunate to, um, been able to work with some amazing companies and, you know, being able to further the, further the career and, uh, you know, CAD technologies to the point where like, you know, like for your stuff, uh, beyond CAD, um, you know, I've taken it, you know, beyond just normal drafting and CAD and, you know, got into some other, other kind of technologies as well. And when you started, I mean, you were probably, you're before, you're after the days of hand drafting, but did you know people that would tell stories about the, the glory days of drafting by hand? Yeah. So when I went to the, um, the local community college to start my degree program, um, it's Chemeketa Community College. It's one of the best uh, drafting CAD programs in the Northwest. So a lot of people from or around Oregon come here to Salem for that program specifically. And, um, yeah, so the year I started, it was the first year it went completely digital. And so we still had some, we still had some um, students that were carried over from the year before, just finishing up some classes, you know, um, that were moving on. But they're like, oh, man, you guys get to use the computer. We had to use, like, in order to do a circle, they had to, they were using, like, pop cans and cups and different things to kind of get there to get you know, there's symbology and things like that on the, on their on paper. Uh, and so now I never had it, but you know, it's, it's definitely lost art. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I try to bring that kind of mentality into even the way we do things now on the computer, because, you know, back then, um, there wasn't a lot of redos, <laughs> right? Like now you can, you can undo or you can erase or delete something. You know, so they didn't have that luxury because they were trying to get it done as efficient as possible. You know, the way they do plans back then, I mean, they were building bridges. Like, you know, I, um, they were building bridges when I worked at the DOT. Uh, I saw some old plans and they were just like five sheets. You know, they would build a whole bridge like in five sheets. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it was up to construction, contractors' discretion and their best practices. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I try to bring that along because, you know, again, we're trying to minimize, end of the day, you know, we're trying to be efficient, right? Minimize rework, high quality deliverables. And so if we kind of keep that mentality, not like, oh, I can redo it, or, you know, let's go through all these iterations, which it's a part of the process, but, you know, just trying to keep some of that artistic skill alive in, in the, you know, 21st century. Yeah, I saw some of that when I was at the DOT here in Nevada, and um, they would they would tell some of the old technologies. Like I think they would draft them in really big sheets, you know, so yeah. that they could get them out on a big table. And then they had this special camera that where they would take pictures of those sheets, and then they could you know compress them down into the uh, eleven by seventeens or whatever it was. And so it's like we definitely take our tools for granted. You know, the yeah. stuff that they would take them weeks to do, we could do in probably minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible. I love those old pictures. You know, you'll see them on LinkedIn or on social media, the, you know, the old drafting, you know, back in the day ones. And there's just roll papers, you know, those master plans. I couldn't even imagine 
those master plan those master planners those those people were drafting up those big roll roll plots back in the day i mean there's like 20 people lined up on their stomachs right <laughs> and they're usually smoking a cigarette <laughs> and wearing a suit and tie you know it's like yeah it's nuts it's awesome it's a different time for yeah sure. but you know it's it's just crazy you know and it's kind of cool to i'm excited to see where we're going you know things are evolving and you know just again just we can't um we have to just keep our you know eyes eyes open ears open because there's a lot of cool things coming out that it's going to make us truly i know we say it but you know, work smarter and not harder. And today we use predominantly AutoCAD, uh, Civil 3D and MicroStation by Bentley. But is what tools were you using when you first started in school and afterward? Yeah, so um, start, well, back then for me, again, I was mainly just AutoCAD. You know, I started with release 12. <laughs> um, I know there's some other guys who probably a part of listen to your or my podcast and they're uh, you know I was with you know AutoCAD one you know it's like that's crazy you know I've seen the pictures some of the dudes have <laughs> their old floppy disks and so you know it's kind of cool to see that but yeah for me it was mainly just AutoCAD to start um, you know we did luckily the program I went through we did have um, some microstation because like you know they they're aware of the mar local market and that the DOT sits in our backyard and so having ODA here, you know, they just wanted to make sure that, you know, if you were to possibly get a job with ODOT or something like that, that at least you had some of those skills with MicroStation. But, you know, MicroStation is very, um, you know, it's very driven by um, DOTs and stuff like that, you know, and offshoring, right? They have some, a lot of stuff where their plant, some of their plant design and drafting stuff. But, um, you know, for the most part, like you said, you know, it's um, a lot of, a lot of AutoCAD and Civil 3Ds, but you know, along the way, I've honed in on being dual platform with MicroStation as well. Do you have a preference in which one you'd rather work in? Uh, it's how you want to say it. <laughs> yes or no. And so I think I, you know, obviously they're they're both tools that get the job done, depending on who the client is or the end result. And so there's there's I have two thoughts with that. One for all the visualization stuff that I do. Um, that I've done, try to do still. Um, I love the Autodesk products. They just, they've come up with a great um, pipeline that you can take now, you know, being able to take data from one software to another and kind of keep it all connected, even though sometimes it works and you have to kind of do a couple different hoops to get what, what you need as you progress from like AutoCAD Civil 3D to InfraWorks to 3D Studio Max and, you know, whatever else are you trying to use in there, Revit. Um, you know, there's different formats and different ways that they all read each other. And so, but when it comes, and I know all of my, sorry, my Autodesk, um, you know, um, users out there, but when it comes to just drafting, I just really like MicroStation. You know, for the ones who've never really used it and used it for a long time, there's just some drafting intuitiveness to it that just allows you to just work more, draft more effectively. And so it's hard to explain, but that's kind of, um, but anyway. Yeah, I, I started out in MicroStation when I was at the DOT. And then when I went into the private sector, I used CAD for a little bit. And I, I'm, you know, my experience is very limited in either of them. But, but there was a time when I was overlapping and using them both day to day. And, and I remember kind of thinking the same thing, you know, 
the the Autodesk stuff always seemed a little bit more modern and forward thinking and they always had the latest features and always coming out with new software and stuff like that. But there were things about MicroStation that you really missed when you were using AutoCAD. I mean, some things just felt faster and more fluid in MicroStation. And maybe it was because they weren't always trying to add new things. You know, they they built something and it was slowly evolving over time, but it worked, you know, and, and they didn't right. want to break that. So uh, I think there is something in either one of them for whoever's using them. And both companies should be proud of what they built. I mean, you know, everything you look at a city skyline and what wouldn't, you know, that skyline wouldn't exist without those companies probably. So it's yeah, pretty exactly. amazing. <clears throat> so you, you, uh, have you spent most of your career in transportation or have you done architecture? What, what industries have you spent time in? Yeah. So, um, well, early on in my career, I worked for a semiconductor company out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, we did a lot of, I was a industrial designer do, creating many environments for clean rooms. So a lot of our Intel is one of our big clients um, and such and other semiconductor. Basically, it's these mini environments where the robots take the wafers for the chips. They stick them in, they dump them in these different solutions, and at the end, it produces all the chips that are used, um, the processor chips. Um, so it's kind of cool to be able to work. You know, that, that's where my love for 3D came in because we used, we were, we used Inventor back then. Um, actually, it was Mechanical Desktop. Uh, it's kind of like mechanical desktop is like the LDD to uh, Civil 3D. And so, um, you know, Vera got the job done for what we wanted. And then we were actually, it was pretty cool. We were an alpha group for Inventor because Autodesk sits in, was, was in our backyard in Lake Oswego. And at that time, I worked in Tigard, Oregon. So, and we were a big user of it. So we got to go through a special program with Autodesk. And so it was kind of cool. We got to be some alpha users and beta users and some of the features that or some of the suggestions that we made during that it was like a one week boot camp for this new inventor um, and so um, a lot of the stuff that we suggested was pretty cool to be seen that was added into the official release of inventor back then um, and so from there I went um, to the DOT I was looking for a change I was committing I'm looking for a change and stumbled upon a job opening for an engineering tech um, at the Oregon Department of Transportation. I was there for two years, and that's kind of where I honed in on the kind of the AEC market. Um, and then from there, did 10 years at H.W. Lochner, um, and then I did another um, a year at W.H. Pacific, and then another five years at um, OVIC Consulting Engineers, and now I'm at OTAC. And so really the AEC, um, yeah, I love that industry. So many, so many opportunities to be able to do, you know, I've done drafting and CAD support and visualization for, you know, bridges, roads, survey, uh, environmental, um, you know, it's just kind of cool, just all construction management. And it's just kind of cool, all the different, you know, um, spinoffs, you know, the different, disciplines that you can support and that's one of the once one of the things i really like about cad um in that it gives us the ability to you know if you do it right or find yourself in a good in a good company you'll never be bored because you know end of the day we all we, we need to make plans to have something built and yeah it's so, very yeah. transferable skills yeah, yeah variety it, of it, industries yeah it does and it's and i think people don't take a look at that like you know like you know one of the things that attracted to you know I, you know 
I'm a big fan of yours and your podcast. I caught on way early in its days, probably episode one or two, but the whole concept of beyond CAD, you know, you think about that, you know, you have a skill here that you can use beyond just drafting if you choose to, right? A lot of, Hey, you know, if you're happy, you know, drafting bridge, roadway, building house plans, survey, you know, doing survey documents, great. But, you know, same time though, the industry is moving. And so, we have to be able to transfer those skills and luckily for us that there's opportunity for us to transfer those skills. And how did you get into visualization? Because I know not every, not everyone that uses CAD goes down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So um, kind of like in our little pre-interview we did the other day, um, I was, again, my, my love for 3D came from my first job being an industrial designer. And I thought everybody did 3D. When I went to the DOT, it went, took me back like 20 years. Sorry, sorry to say that, but it did. You know, they were still doing 2D drafting. You know, we're doing complex roads and bridges besides 3D surfaces for the roads, right? But we're doing all these bridge plans and we're all just doing 2D line work. And it was just like, wow. And so, you know, I, I try to push there like, hey man, I just came from this other industry. <laughs> we did everything in 3D, you got to do it. Uh, to so, this day, they still do bridge yeah. plans in 2D. Like we, we always get data from our clients and the roadway stuff, you know, they'll send us all the 3D feature lines and triangles and then the bridge stuff. We got to model that from 2D plans, you know, and it's like, yeah. this is 2020. I'm, I'm sure there are people out there doing bridges in, in 3D, but predominantly it's been my experience that that hasn't changed over the you know, past 10 or 20 years. No, I agree. And that's, that's kind of one of those opportunities. That, and I think they're trying, right? Like InfraWorks allows you to do some bridge, some bridge design. Um, it's not all the way intuitive. I know Bentley has like um, Leap Bridge and some other ones that they're trying to pull out. Um, you know, Civil 3D had a bridge module at one point. Uh, I think they're trying. To be honest, I just think, I don't know, it just maybe they don't have the right people there to help drive that. Uh, because, you know, it's very, um, you know, doing a lot of, for myself, for, you know, a lot of my background is drafting and doing bridge, bridge, bridge plans and bridge design type stuff, you know, to help supporting the bridge group. So that's kind of like my, my, my role, to, you know, so I look at bridges in different ways when you drive through, I'm like, oh, that's how we would draft that or that's how they would do that. Um, I just think there's some nuances to it because of the detail work that goes into it. I just... I just wish somebody would just, you know, what do you want? You know, invest in it, invest in it a little bit more. Cause we have, it's, it's awesome. We have all this great 3D roadway work, you know, surfaces, um, you know, you have, you know, terrain, you have everything up to the approaches of a bridge. And then there's this big hole, right? And there's no, <laughs> there's no connection. Yeah. We're literally, we, we, we're literally not bridging the gap. Yeah, exactly. Bridge. And, it, and not just to pick on the structures, guys, but I mean, there are other things that are 2D. Striping is still in 2D. Uh, sign packages, you know, those things are all 2D. So, so there's still uh, a place for a company like us to go in and put all these pieces together in 3D. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it is shocking sometimes when you, when you start looking at those things. So when you were doing visualization, either in the private or the public sector, would you, would you actually get assigned that task and have time set aside to visualize or was it always just kind of a hobby where you would t have access to the data and then you would take it in something like uh, 3ds max or yeah, both. In i think it was both i mean again when i so 
transferring those skills, when I went to actually H.W. Lochner, um, great company, I had a great boss there who allowed, who saw that passion that I had of, we have the ability to use 3D to want to communicate our designs better internally, right? So that way we can sharpen pencils a little, have them sharpened a little bit more, you know, for quantities, being able to know the relationship between like structures and the road and, you know, things like that. And so, I don't know, I just have, I just had this thing. And so I was given the opportunity to like, okay, like, like I was talking, I went to Lochner, I was the first person in the company to have a computer or to even do visualization. I think at that point they may have farmed it out. And so, um, but yeah, but it was one of those where when you're trying to build up a group internally, right, you're trying to making sure that you protect the bottom line. And so, you know, yeah, there has to be investments, but, you know, if you're investing in doing some of this marketing overhead type of activities, you know, it's not billable, it's not billable work. So it takes away from utilization. And, and so it was one of those things where, you know, I was throwing a bone, you know, it's always like, okay, oh, here's an opportunity, we'll do it. And then I don't use, I don't use Macs or something else for six months. And then I get it again, so I have to relearn, <laughs> have to relearn everything I did because it'd be so far between. Um, but yeah, and then at some point, you know, we had the opportunity where like, okay, every pursuit, we're gonna try to do this. At least a, at least a, a 3D composite rendering. I thought those were probably the best and easy. I had a, a graphics designer um, in Salt Lake City, him and I uh, would pair up and just give us a photo, give us the plans, and we would make it, we would make an awesome composite rendering. And so that was, that was kind of our, our, our bread and butter. Um, and so, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was one of those, sometimes you got the opportunity, sometimes you didn't, but when you did, you had, you had to take, you had to try to take advantage of the opportunity to maximize what you're doing. Do you still do any visualization today? No, not per, I mean, I do some stuff just for myself, but again, different companies, I've worked for a couple different companies, this one right now, you know, um, you know, where I'm at, I'm helping to bring back a, a, a traditional CAD group. And so I'm really, they're focusing on standards, project delivery. Um, it's in the forecast. I told my boss that, you know, hey, we have to, you know, but where I'm at too, that we have a um, architectural group. And so it seems like a lot of stuff's being thrown through, is going through them um, for some of these. So, you know, for myself, yeah, I have the skill set, but due to the nature of the culture of the company, you know, I'm not doing that day-to-day -day per se. As far as CAD and drafting goes, do you prefer to be hands-on doing it yourself, or do you like the management and team building aspect of it more? Um, all of it. You know, I, I like to consider myself a manager-doer. I don't think, and this is my perspective, um, in my opinion, and so... I, I don't think you can um, adequately, uh, I don't want, you know, I even cringe as I say it, adequately manage, manage people and tasks and mentor your team if you're not doing the work too, right? So I'll roll up my sleeves, I'll do draft. I mean, I still do red lines, you know, I still set up sheets um, and so forth. And so, you know, sometimes it comes to my own people, you know, some of my team need help. So they'll give me directions on what needs to happen. And it's like, hey, this is where I left off. This is what we need to do. All right, well, I'll just jump in and do it. 
Um, uh, for me, I just have to be, I think there's some hands-on components I think is required. I want to stay connected to my group. I don't want to be disconnected and not understand their needs, their frustrations, especially as some of the new technology comes out, the new workflows. You know, I think it's a team effort. You know, I try to tell my team, you know, I, uh, you know, I think what makes a great team is that we all come from different, we have different experiences, which is the reason why we hire certain people, right? They, they're filling the gap. And so with that is, you know, I'll be straight up. I don't know everything. You know, it's, it's impossible to know everything. Even though I'm your manager, I try to stay ahead of you guys. But for the most part, though, I mean, there's some things that, you know, I learn every day from them. And so and I just really try to make it a really good dynamic, team dynamic there where, you know, it's where it's not a hierarchy. It's it's we're side by side. And, you know, we're all here to do something. And, you know, I'll try to make sure that you have opportunities to grow your career, use a software like you like. But again, if you don't want to do anything besides, you know, just plan production drafting type tasks, then that's fine. You know, that's, it is, we, we need those people. Well, I know that you're a student of leadership and I can tell you, you know, you do your best to put those, those principles into action. And, uh, you know, with my team, whenever I roll up my sleeves and try to do something, I usually break it and they, you know, <laughs> find a way to tell me that I should go find something else to do. So it's, I, it's, uh, I think you're lucky to have, have training in the thing that you manage, you know, not everybody has that. Like I was saying, in my experience, I was trained in civil engineering and now I'm trying to manage a, basically an artist, you know, a team of artists. And so there are challenges there. And so I think by you being, you know, a, an expert and a professional in the craft, you're not only able to manage, but you're able to do and show by example. And so there, there is a, a lot of synergy, I think, for your team in that way. I hope that's what that's what, that's my goal. So you mentioned beyond CAD, uh, as far as just moving beyond CAD in general, personally and through the industry. So, so what to you is, what's the next thing beyond what we're doing currently with computer aided drafting? Well, I mean, you know, for me, I think the next, I mean, it's just taking the data. We kind of talked about this before was the repurposing of data. Right. And sometimes we have to look outside of our industries for inspiration of what is the next thing. Right. And so, the, you know, and I think some of the things that you're doing, you know, is cutting some of its bleeding edge because not a lot of people are seeing that. Right. So, you know, I've been a big proponent of being, you know, when I was hustling and marketing the, the LIDAR back in the day, um, you know, the big thing I loved about it is you're taking somebody into into an environment. Right. So you're doing something very similar with like game engine technology. And so, you know, from there, then it becomes, you know, the AR and the VR, right. The interactive first is kind of interactiveness that you're trying to build, right. With your company and the, and the amazing deliverables that you're doing for your clients that I'm seeing, you know, um, seeing you produce and make, which is fantastic. It helps further this cause. Um, but then, you know, it's now, now it's taking people into it so that way they can experience it in a way that they've never had before. Um, and so, you know, again, I think some of the things that we're doing will stay true for right now because, you know, we have to have um, plans to build, build still. Um, but along the way, though, how we communicate that to stakeholders, communities, project teams, um, you know, is going to evolve just so that we can have, 
a better sense of the things that we're designing and how it impacts the community. And as I've thought about this and talked to others about it, sometimes it's frustrating that we're behind the architectural community, you know, yep. maybe 10 or 20 years, I think both in design and in visualization. And part of that reason to give ourselves credit is because they're solving easier problems than us, you know, like they're building on flat ground typically and straight edges yep. and, and we're not, you know, we're on sometimes entire cities and our, nothing's flat. And so it's, it's exponentially more complicated. So we're, we're behind architecture. And if we look at what they've done, you take something like, you know, Revit. So in, initially they were doing something like using something like CAD and they were drafting in 2D. Some of them still do, yep. but that's what they were doing 20 or 30 years ago, making plans and the, and the building was being built. Well, then Revit came around and they were doing that, but also in 3D. And then you could do cut any cross section you'd want. You could take quantities, you know, it, it really was true BIM. I don't think we have true BIM in civil yet. No. And then, and then if they wanted to render, they just push a bit. Well, it's not exactly push a button, but they, got, you know, add textures to the 3d model. Yeah. They, they render it out and they can make a render. And so you, you imagine maybe we could do that in our industry, you know, where there is a Revit and, and what we're trying to build with our visualization software, I don't even think it will be that because we're focusing completely on visualization, but imagine if, Civil 3D or something was so advanced that you built everything in 3D, including bridges, including striping, including signs, and they were put where they're supposed to be. And, and then you could take quantities and then you could push button renders and you could do sight distances and you could do LIDAR yep. and you could do all this stuff in one space. Like right now it's so disparate and all these different things. It's like, what, what do we need to be doing today to get there? What's the Revit of 2030 for the civil world? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, that that's just the focus. That's just the focus of like you know Bentley and Autodesk, right? They're the two major players in our markets that we're for the work that at least that we do, right? We're doing a lot of you know civil you know use from being a civil engineer, me doing plan of productions for the AUC industry, and other kind of technologies that go with that. But yeah, it's just you know, I, and that's what I'm saying. That's like. You know, because I know some, I know people from both, from both companies, right? And so when I go to conferences in the past and then the present, you know, it just seems like you know they're they talk a lot about BIM and I think they have a lot of stuff that is there. But like you said, we're nobody's really looking at all the different pieces, and then how can we make them into one space? Again, you know, Infoworks is trying. You know, they have Navisworks, it's CompuStation, you know, everybody's trying, you know, but I don't, I don't, <laughs> it's kind of like a team, right? I don't think everybody is, I don't know, maybe this is just me, you know, maybe there's not, they're not all in that same room, just having that jam session, right? Of, you know, I don't know, maybe have a focus group of folks like you and I and others in the industry, you know, it's like, how can we make this? you know, truly work smarter and more efficient. And that way, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to save, you know, projects money, right? Minimizing rework and change orders in the field, right? Because some of the stuff, if it was truly integrated, we can see all that, get the right quantities, get the right, um, you know, the um, get the right design at the right elevations, get the site distancing figured out and done. So that way, you know, everything's, you know, we're not building and going, oh, shoot that's not going to work. I mean, they don't do that, but sometimes it does, you know, something slips through the cracks. And so 
don't know, man. And maybe, opportunity. and maybe Autodesk is sitting back, you know, just kind of laughing to themselves because we have no idea what they exactly. have. <laughs> maybe they have a roadmap, but from our perspective, it's like they have, you know, they're, they are looking at all the problems, but they're solving it with a variety of software in both companies. And you and I are kind of saying, is the solution that these softwares are going to converge at some day at some point, or the, or do you just choose one and kind of build the features out? And, and maybe the technology isn't good enough yet. You know, maybe it would just make our computers melt to the floor if we tried to do to a civil project, what, what they're doing, you know, with Revit on architectural projects. So it is a matter of time and, and maybe there is opportunities for someone else to get in there. But I do think that eventually, you know, one of those major players or, or others will solve that problem. And, and, you know, when our kids are, are drafting and designing in the future, it's going to be one more, one platform, not, not that architects don't use other software, but you can yeah. do pretty much everything in one software right now. And you can't right now in civil. Yeah. That's the one thing that was crazy when I, cause the company that the company that I'm at now, you know, this is the first one I actually, you know, most in civil engineering firms that I've been a part of, there's, you know, there's always this, um, a couple of things, couple of disciplines you don't want to ever have. <laughs> it's like architecture, geotechnical, you know, and sometimes survey, you know, it's like, there's a high risk. Those are just, you know, just ones you really have to know your stuff, I guess. I don't know. But this is the first one that had, had a architecture studio, which is awesome. I'm like, all right, I got to learn what Revit really is and how that works. And, you know, this, you know, further my management of a, of a team and project delivery. And, you know, I get to see this architecture workflow now. Now I'm like all full circle, you know, but, you know, when they were telling me, you know, we're trying to set up some standards, do some stuff. They're like, oh yeah, we do. Where's your sheets at? They sit in this file. What do you mean they sit in the file? Yeah. The, the model and the design, it's all in one file. Like, what are you talking about? It took me, you know, somebody to sit down with me because I'm so used to having, you know, from the civil workflow, you have base files and you have plan sheets. They're separate. And I like to keep stuff separate for that purpose in case something goes corrupt, something goes bad, you know, your eggs aren't in one basket. You can have multiple people help out when it comes crunch time to get something out. And the architecture just telling me, no, we do everything in one file, you know, with multiple users in one. I'm like, what's going on? And so that, that cost, I mean, the, I think the technology and the concept is there. I think it's just a matter of just expanding that to what that workflow would look like from a civil perspective, I guess. Yeah, we'll get there, hopefully for sure. Yeah. So I want to hear about your podcast. Give us a pitch on kind of what it's about and why people should tune in. Yeah. So again, you know, when we talked about, you know, I've, I've been sitting, you know, been doing CAD magic for a long time and I just needed an, an outlet. I've been sitting on this idea for a while. You know, they talk about, you know, creating a personal brand, creating a platform to share stuff. And so, um, you know, I can't do beyond CAD concept because you already do that. I could do a different one, but you know, that if somebody already had kind of that niche, um, of course we all have different perspectives, but you know, I'm like, why don't I just create a podcast for CAD managers? The name of it came about was I was actually doing a, um, I was a guest. Um, I did, I did a guest art, art author for articles for the blast for the CAD learning. Um, and so the blast is a, is a, monthly digital newsletter magazine that gets sent out to like 24,000 subscribers, um, you know, according to CAD Learning. And so 
we use their platform as our training, our online training on demand training solution at my last company. And so, so I was already in their ecosystem. They kind of knew I was about like, Hey, you know, we don't, we don't hear a lot of from CAD managers. Do you want to do a, a guest, um, do some guest articles? You know, I said, sure. And so, you know, so I wrote one and then we we're going back, what should we title it? And I don't know, something just came. I said, how about we call it CAD manager confessions? You know, it's kind of like me just sharing my lessons learned and, you know, all the things that I've learned along the way um, and just share, you know, share them. And they love the idea. And so, you know, I did like, you know, a handful of those articles for them. They're like, anytime you want to write something, let us know, we'll publish it. Um, and then I said, well, you know, I've kind of built this little brand on this. And so, you know, they got, we're getting some good feedback from their end users of, you know, they like this CAD manager perspective. And so, you know, kind of spun that idea. Okay, I kind of want to make a podcast. I'm doing these guest articles for this online magazine. And so why not call it the CAD Managers Confessions Podcast? You know, it's a podcast for CAD managers. You know, we all, we have this journey. And kind of like for yourself, you know, unless you're walking in the shoes, it's really hard to understand that journey, right? And so, you know, again, you know, we're, as, and I looked around, not a lot, there's not a lot of stuff for CAD managers. I mean, there's a couple of iconic CAD managers, you know, there's like two, um, you know, Robert Green's one, he's all over Autodesk and Catalyst.com uh, and those stuff for being the CAD manager guy. There's a couple of other ones in the community. Um, and so, you know, but nobody's really just there to, you know, they, and they do, they publish some stuff. So I just decided to take it from a blog type of platform and stick it on a podcast platform since that's kind of the way people are listening now. Well, it's smart too, because not only are you speaking directly to other CAD managers, but also those that use CAD, I'm sure can find that content helpful as well in their own careers. Yeah. So I've actually had two people reach out to me um, through, through that, you know, they said, Hey, I, I see that you're doing this podcast. Um, and so one dude, Raphael out of Phoenix is like, Hey, I just, can you give me like 10 minutes? <laughs> you know, and I responded right away, like within like an hour we were talking you know, and so he just has, you know, he's an up and comer, you know, he has some questions about changing careers and what to do there, you know, like, what am I looking for? I'm, cause I'm a hiring manager as well, right? I hire, I see lots of resumes and you have to do lots of interviews. So I gave him some pointers there. Um, and then um, I had somebody from like Florida reach out, you know, she, she wanted some accountability of what, how can I pivot my career? This, I'm doing this now. And so it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool to, kind of give back to the, you know, the up and comers, because, you know, at some point, some of them want to be managers as well, or want to be better team players, or, um, you know, they want to progress in their careers as well. So it was pretty cool to, you know, have a, a, you know, a couple of opportunities there just to, you know, talk to some up and comers, and kind of give them some guidance. And, you know, hopefully it serves them well. Well, that's one thing I appreciate about your podcast is it's not just like, you know, file directories and line types. It's like you're giving people career advice and life advice from what you've learned. And I think that's fitting to the, the title. So if, if anyone wants to learn more about CAD managers confessions, where could they go? Yeah. So, you know, um, um, pot, you can just go to Apple podcast um, and just do a search for CAD managers confessions. Um, you know, LinkedIn, um, Eric DeLeon, D E L E O N Eric with a C. 
you can reach out there, um, you know, and just let, you know, I'm still early, I'm still early in my journey. And so I'm trying to, you know, find my voice of, you know, how I want to articulate some of these lessons, life lessons and advice that I'm going through every day. And so, you know, if there's something out there that, you know, you think would be a good topic. Again, I, I have access to a bunch of other CAD managers, which I plan on interviewing very similar to this. So that way we can further, you know, further the, you know, the CAD manager movement, um, you know, and just be able to give some recognition to some amazing people doing some amazing work across different companies, different industries, um, you know, with a title, um, you know, with that kind of role and title of a CAD manager, CAD supervisor, drafting supervisor, drafting manager, production manager, you know, those kind of folks. Um, just give them opportunity maybe, you know, I think they also, I think by sharing some of these lessons, it kind of helps um, us further um, solidify some of the things that we know, like, hey, you know, get some confidence of like, you know, I do, I am good at what I do. Um, and maybe I can help other people out along the way. Well, good for you. I know, like you said, you were planning that for a long time. You finally got it out there. And uh, I think the world's better. Definitely your industry is better off for it. Well, do you have any parting thoughts for us, Eric, before we call this one good? Yeah, you know, um, thank you again for, you know, uh, giving me the opportunity to be a part of your podcast. And, um, you know, again, doing some amazing stuff. It's definitely inspiration for me as I try to, um, you know, progress my career and try to figure out new ways, just like you are, new ways for the way you present um, engineering data to the world. You know, one of the things is, you know, for anybody listening, you know, just stay true to who you are. You know, we all have special gifts. You know, you're, you're in that desk, in that seat for a reason. They hired you, um, you know, and, and, you know, just stay true to those things and what you bring to the table. You know, it's a team effort. Um, one is, you know, one of my things is, uh, you know, we're doing all these things, making sure that, um, you know, there's never a perfect set of plans. You know, that's kind of my tagline as, you know, all of this that we're doing is the pursuit of the perfect set of plans. And so with that, just follow your standards, make sure you QC stuff um, and work as a team. Communication is huge. Um, but, you know, you, um, you know, we're all unique. We all have special gifts. So go out and show the world what you have. Appreciate that. One of the YouTube channels I watch is uh, Corridor Crew. Okay. I don't yeah. know if you do the visual effects, but they, um, I think his name's Ren. He gave a TED talk and his, basically his closing line was, a movie's never fin finished, it's just shipped. You know, that's kind yeah. of what you were saying. That the plans aren't ever done. They're never perfect. They're just put out there and hopefully there aren't any change orders. And same with us, you know, our renders, they're never perfect, but we do got to get them out the door and make them as good as we can and learn from them. So the, the respect is mutual, Eric. I appreciate all that you've you. done and uh, that you're doing for the industry. And I know many great things will come. So thank you. Thank you very much. And have a, see you later and uh, talk to you later and uh, good luck. And stay safe out there in this world. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe and or leave a review. Until next time, good luck and stay true in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans.